<clears throat> Hello, John. Nice to see you on this Friday. Great to see you, <clears throat> Pradeep. Happy Friday. Uh, I assume for you it's it's a different working week uh, based on the view of the mountains in Colorado. How are yeah. things there? Uh, gorgeous. We had there was a big snowfall that came through that paralyzed Texas of uh, last week or so, and that storm dropped quite a bit of snow here on the mountains. We've got peaks that are just under uh, five thousand meters. Uh, about five or six of them surrounding where I live. So it's a beautiful, very snowy mountain range right now. But the weather is entering into early spring. So it's it's actually very pleasant, warm outside. Beautiful. So today we are going to be talking about continuation from our previous podcast, which was around the establishment of uh, a special place in nature for an individual and for their practice and exploration and cultivation. But before we jump into that, I think what would be very timely to begin perhaps would be uh, a reflection on what you mentioned about the shift of the seasons into spring. And I, over the last year, have been spending a lot more time in rhythm with the nature here and becoming very cognizant of the different seasons and the different energy mm. of the seasons for the first time, uh, which is again, amusing uh, to have lived for all these years and not really have been in that much touch with the seasons uh, living inside. But so I would like, I would, I would, I would love for you to reflect on this shift, because I'm finding this to be a very strong shift, a shift from almost deep, deep space of non-doing and stillness and deep, quiet winter into almost like a an active energy rising through, which is a little more sharper almost, let's say. Sharper is probably not the right word, but a little more fluttery and energetic and alive in a different way, something that is seeking motion. So with just that as the backdrop, it'd be lovely to, to hear any reflections on what can we do and make sense of from this perspective, from the Taoist perspective or any other. Yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, wonderful that you're tuning into that. I think, as you know, from uh, working with the way of nature now for some time, uh, a lot of it's about becoming a much more deeply connected to the rest of life. And for those of us living here in the Northern Hemisphere, as we come out of that inner stillness and uh, coolness and silence of the winter time, when things go very internal and uh, almost become hidden, itself. Uh, now it's emerging out into the time of blossoming and resurgence of the leaves leaving out budding forth and the, the shoots of the small plants come up through the soil as it warms. And I think uh, for us humans, if we pay attention to the reality that we're part of that vast system of life here in the Northern Hemisphere right now, <clears throat> we can feel that same spring-like energy bubbling up within us. 
So it shows we're really more linked in with the natural system of our place. It's a, nice, it's a good sign, a very nice sign. It shows we're beginning to rejoin the family of life in its celebration of spring. Yeah, Beautiful. it's fascinating. It's also very interesting to see the rapidity of transformation. It is surprising how in a week, an entire blossom tree can be filled with blossoms from being completely bare in winter. It's shockingly yeah. fast. Yeah, it's like it comes out of nowhere almost. And then suddenly happening. But that's the beauty of birth. It seems to come out of nowhere and then suddenly it's happening. So uh, given what we've all gone through as a human species, maybe it's a, a time for renewal as we emerge from a kind of a dark night of the soul for many people with the COVID uh, crisis and the pandemic and the economic uh, hardships and all of the difficulties that most of us have gone through. And even if we are, have not so much personally, we probably know many people who've had a really hard, tough time this past, past year. But it does appear that things are shifting now and we're beginning to re-enter a, a beautiful time of the celebration of the re-emergence of life. And at the same time, it's really nice to see so many of the curves of the pandemic declining and disappearing and beginning to drop down to much lower rates than before. So at the same time, the virus is disappearing. We're reappearing maybe in a renewed form, maybe much more connected to the rest of life in nature, which uh, actually is the invitation from a pandemic because usually those things come from an imbalanced relationship to nature. And uh, maybe this will re-inspire us to come back into balance and harmony with the rest of life as we re-emerge. Yes. And I think it's been very interesting to reflect on your ideas of integration during this period, especially for many of us who have been privileged to have encountered some of the practices and the presence of mind to be skillful uh, in responding in this time. How would you recommend we prepare for this emergence? Because I personally feel that the shift has been quite big in terms of how the body, mind and civilization has experienced this period. And I feel that if we just tomorrow step out and just try to go back to life as normal, that would not be the most skillful way. It might be a little more gradual as a process, just like after our retreat. So how would you reflect on that? Because this has been a period of either a healthy retreat for some people or a challenging time, or for some people, maybe a long time with Netflix. Either way, I think when they go back to, to the world, let's say, it's going to be very interesting. And so what will be your skillful recommendation to that? Well, I actually think what we've been going over last time we were together and then with this uh, time together today, <clears throat> I think it is a, a wonderful invitation to really connect with, to drop out of the, the digital realm a bit, 
because we've all gone digital big time, many of us around the world, to kind of replace our human interaction with a digital uh, relationship, which is actually helps support a really wonderful kind of connection, but not quite the same as as the non-digital. So it, it, we're having a, an opportunity now to go. I was joking with a friend of mine the other day because I did a, a podcast with, with this friend on uh, virtual reality and AI, artificial intelligence. He's a master of these things. And I was saying, well, you know, I think this is a period of my life when I'm beginning to move from digital to analog. And um, <clears throat> many of us have kind of forgotten how to be fully analog again. So I think this is a chance to really go analog and really celebrate the, the dance of the senses, the perceptions, the invitation of connecting through sight and sound and feel. engage in unless we've taken the time to find a special place in nature as we were saying last time we got together i think in our last uh our last sharing on, on this podcast we were emphasizing how to find a place in nature that would allow you to really make refresh yourself renew yourself uh give you a chance to reconnect deeply with the family of life and become a full-fledged member of that family and um, <clears throat> and the initial thing is really about finding that place. And I think we talked about initially finding a place that was maybe even in your backyard or in a close by little area of park or natural land, a bit of forests or a bit of um, landscape where nature is relatively less disturbed and where you begin to have the experience of being in, the, in trees growing naturally without a lot of uh, gardening and tending to the forest. The forest is allowed just to be itself in its own natural way. And um, <clears throat> making connections in places like that that are nearby your home. Or for some, if you don't have that in a big city, you might have a corner of your backyard. Or maybe if you don't have a backyard, you could even take a corner of your house and support a little mini uh, sacred spot that has plants and, and uh, flowers and things that help to link you in with the rest of life through those those plant uh, shares that are in your household. But ideally, it's good to find a place outside where you can connect to the earth, take your shoes off if you can, if it's warm enough, and make a direct connection into the earth through the feet, and then open the senses so they can really, really connect deeply in a profound way. And um, and finding a spot like that, we talked quite a bit about that last last time, last last time we had the podcast together. And this time I thought I might share some of the techniques that I use to once you find those special places, and we talked about one place near you, as we just mentioned, another place maybe you go to on a weekend and take a special day for family and loved ones. And maybe with if you have children, go there with your children as well and have some time where you you and your partner and your children have some quality time in solitude in nature. So they begin to get used to the idea of being alone in nature 
and you have some time alone in nature. So if human culture falls away, which allows the voice of nature to arise and come through directly. And then maybe when you uh, have a bit more time, maybe once a month, go a little further, take a family trip to a, a wilder spot, maybe out in the mountains or along a beautiful coastline and take a deeper dive into the solitude and the spaciousness and the stillness a very special place in nature that might take a little more season, take a really deep dive and go into a true wilderness area if you have some places like that available to you. And then maybe even go in for an overnight or two and uh, support uh, your your loved ones. Your, if you have a, a partner or somebody that you're close to, a close friend, you can support each other in that dive into the solitude and the spaciousness of a wilder spot in nature. Yes. And make sure that if any issues come up, you, there's somebody else there in the nearby neighborhood that can help out. But <clears throat> these are ways that we can skillfully begin to find places on our own. And um, I think we went over that in some detail last time. I did want to mention, however, one other technique, which is a simple one. And that's the practice. A garden, maybe in part for the beauty of the flowers and the, uh, the plants that are providing you with food, or maybe with the, um, the experience of tilling the soil and really having that earth connection under your feet, on your knees. And it's good to be on your knees with Mother Earth. Humility came from that experience, the experience of humility, humus, really connected to the humus, to the earth-like quality that you're given when you're a gardener. And uh, when I was raised, my family, they had uh, Native American influence. So I was um, taught how to plant a garden and grow a garden where we'd take a stick and sharpen the tip of that stick with a knife so that it, it could be placed into the soil and make a hole. We often would take the stick actually and put it in a bit of fire to harden the uh, the sharp point of the stick. Then we would go out and bring that stick down into the earth. And uh, that represented great spirit coming into the earth and merging with the earth. And then my grandpa or grandma would tilt it to the four directions, to the east, the, the west, the south, the north, and invoke the qualities of those four basic directions and bringing, inviting those qualities to come into the hole that's been made by the pointed stick. And then when the stick is lifted out, then Mother Earth's energy rises up into the hole that you've made with the dig stick. Then it was the job of us kids to take a kernel of corn, maybe put in that corn and dump it down with our foot or with our hand and um, add a little water. And sometimes we would plant it along with a bean so that as the corn stalk grew, the bean would grow up around the corn stalk. The bean would provide nitrogen. The corn stalk would provide support for the bean. And then nearby we would plant some squash, which brought in a very powerful feminine honoring quality. And those we called the three sisters in the Native American tradition that were the, the kind of the heart of uh, original uh, native style agriculture where I grew up. 
So that was how I was raised to do that. And I learned a lot from doing that kind of gardening and, and tending the garden. And then we also went out and gathered wild edibles, different nuts and fruits, and uh, some tubers and some uh, leafy grains, which we would bring back and incorporate into our daily meals. Part of the job of the kids was to go out and do a bit of foraging as well as having the garden. So these are ways that you can do yourself the same thing if you know the wild edible plants in your neighborhood and only forage from those that are very common or very widely available so you don't damage a wild population that is, is endangered or in, in short supply. Only pick the most common, widely available and abundant plants and always ask permission to do some harvesting when you're gathering from a wild plant population. Yeah. And Very important, also important to just make sure that those are safe plants uh, to eat. Right. Yeah. Uh, just, just Be careful about your mushrooms. <laughs> any any sort of illness and so on. Okay. Thank you, John. That's yeah, that's super. That's super helpful. And now we can jump into mm -hmm. the next topic, which is around really cultivating yeah. a relationship with a place. Yeah, so perhaps it's a good idea now to continue and go deep into the process of cultivating that relationship with your special place. So how would you recommend people begin in that context, John? Well, I think once you've found your special spot, uh, I would recommend that maybe one of the very first th things that you do is a very simple practice that I call cultivating natural appreciation <clears throat> meaning go to your place and spend a little time with the things that drew you there if there's a stream with water and the flowing of the stream if there's some rocks or some beautiful trees or a, a little cluster of flowers have time with some compassion and appreciation and love and respect from your heart. Uh, if you can do that, that's a, a very simple practice that begins to open up an authentic relationship with that place and to create an actual field of energy and, and awareness that begins to support you going there for deeper cultivation and practice yourself. And it begins to create a field that literally begins to have a positive effect back on you because the field itself becomes very positive. Uh, nature always reciprocates by giving back a wonderful um, uh, radiance of, you might say from the heart of nature itself. And you begin to feel that you're being embraced by the trees, the flowers, the rocks, the water, the different elements. And it's so simple. It's just a matter of opening the heart and giving love and appreciation and respect. And if there's been damage in that area, you can deepen that by also having expressing some regret if there's been some damage to that place in the past that you're aware of. You can you can take a, be a representative for our species to ex express regret for the ignorant behavior that went before and may have damaged that place in some way and then say that you're here really to show your honor, your appreciation and your respect for all life and to open your heart and uh, 
establish uh, love and appreciation for everything that you come into contact with in that special place. Very simple practice, extremely powerful. Mm. And and so as we start to cultivate that kind of a relationship of care, gratitude and compassion with that space, what would you recommend be the the next step? How does one take it deeper over time? Do we move on to repeating that with all the elements there or do we have a different approach? What is the next stage of this practice? Well, there are many ways to go about it. Uh, generally, what I would recommend is if you have a background in uh, some of the ceremonial work of the way of nature, um, if you take a look at my book, for example, there's the Sky Above, Earth Below book. In that book, and also in the new book, the Book of Leaves, called Cultivating Natural Liberation, um, in both of those books, there's a detailed uh, explanation of what we call the 11 Direction Ceremony. That ceremony uh, came through when I was on Vision Quest, and uh, it was meant to be a ceremony that was available for anyone from any background, from any culture, from any spiritual kind of context. It's a ceremony that's based on a kind of common ground that you find among many different cultures. And so it allows you to see both into what you have in common with many other cultures and spiritual pathways, but it also gives you a, a deeper understanding of the depth to which your own culture and your own tradition goes when it does a particular kind of um, ceremonial process. Uh, for those that are not involved with any kind of cultural um, practice of that sort, this ceremony gives you a practice that you can own. You can absolutely own it, make it yourself, make it your own. And if you commit yourself to the setting the intent that comes along with the practice, then a beautiful kind of deeper connection arises through uh, the actual mobilization of your intent to make deeper connection, deeper honoring of that sacred place in nature that you you found. Um, <clears throat> I tend to, on a very regular basis, uh, if somebody, if somebody has died recently that I've been close to, I usually use the ceremony, the ceremony for those occasions as well. It's pretty universal. It's based on honoring the eight directions of initially east, south, west, and north, and then upon the diagonal directions of uh, southeast, southwest, northwest, and northeast. And then you come to the direction of Mother Earth herself and honor that. And then I usually stand up and make a directional connection with great spirit or however you you conceive of the embodied aspect of the of the uh, of universal spirit and then finally uh when we do this we make a very small clockwise spiral go in life <clears throat> but if you do this ceremony, and it's laid out in quite a bit of detail in those two books, 
So if you want to learn in detail, I would refer you back to those. But we found that when you do this ceremony and invoke the, the spiritual awakening that arises in the East, the fullness of the life force and the opening of the heart that is represented in the Northern Hemisphere in the South, in the, uh, the disappearance of all the old stuff, all the old material which you no longer need, which no longer serve and unfoldment. The sun goes and finishes as it say, the moon, the same, all the stars appear to, to die in the West. And so you can release all your old material uh, to the West and helps to clarify, purify you of many of these obscurations that no longer support you. And then to the North, because you've released those obscurations, a natural inherent wisdom can arise free of the obscurations from the past. And then you begin to address the diagonal directions and honor how the wisdom of the North and the spiritual unfoldment of the, of the East are connected to the, to the Northeast. And you honor how the spiritual opening of the East sets the ground and helps the birthing of um, the universal love, unconditional love and, and uh, universal life force of the South. And then to the South, West, you can honor how the open-heartedness of the unconditional love state and the universal energy gently lifts up the blockages and the obscurations in one's being, which then can be released in the West. And as you address the Northwest, you honor how the, the direction of the West and the release of the blockages has allowed the natural wisdom inherent in your true nature to arise as you adjust as you move to the north. So you can move through the eight directions in that way. And then when you make a connection with Mother Earth, of course, you honor her for giving you virtually everything in your body, everything that you eat, the homes that, that sustain you, everything that you build is made of either materials from the earth or from the trees and the plants. Um, so you, there's a chance to honor this huge gift that Mother Earth has given us throughout our lives. And then in the same way, as you address the sky, you can address uh, great spirit and reform you, you feel particularly of life and awareness that flows through all beings. If you have a particular attachment to a particular embodiment of the sacred, then it might be Tara or a spirit, the Virgin of Guadalupe, Mother Mary, God or a goddess aspect. Uh, the main thing is that it should be authentic for you as you make that connection. And that that embodiment becomes a representative of the, the vastness of the great mystery itself. And then finally, when you make your final slow clockwise turn, that's a wonderful opportunity to surrender into the formless foundation or base out of which all of these more formed aspects of your existence arise and return to that formless, pure beingness, pure consciousness, pure awareness, that's at the very root or foundation of your being. And you rest in that and reconnecting with that authentic deep true nature of yourself 
If you do that on a regular basis in your sacred spot, you do that ideally on a daily basis, the field of that place is going to shift and, and change. All the beings of nature that are there, the animals, the plants, even the suns, the crystals, the earth itself, everything that exists within that place in nature, in outer nature, will begin to respond and support you as you come there with a reciprocal radiation back to you of appreciation and thankfulness. I remember in the old days when I first started doing this kind of practice, one of the things that happened was the nature spirits, I'm very kind of connected to many of the spirits of nature. One of the first things that they, they communicated to me telepathically was, wow, this is really amazing. And I responded, what's so amazing? They said, it's so amazing to have a human being coming out and honor us spiritually and to give thanks and appreciation and also express regret for everything that you've done to damage all the rest of us beings of nature. We thank you so much for doing this. It's really a, such a rare experience for us to experience a human or humans that actually show regret, appreciation, respect, and love for the rest of nature and the rest of your big family. This is fantastic. Thank you so much for doing this and pass the word. Bring your, bring your friends and your associates. And this is what we, when you do this, everything shifts in terms of our relationship between you and the rest of life. So keep it up, keep up the good work. Yes, thank you. Thank you for summarizing that. That's a, that's a very rich practice. And what I remember from one of your instructions in the advanced training was that this practice is not rigid and set in stone and that we can make it our own. And, and I think I would love to hear any reflections on that in terms of the usage of this practice, almost as skillful means our upaya in, in Buddhist tradition, especially with respect to directions and so on, because sometimes uh, people get sort of confused and like yeah. they have to remember all of this stuff and it's too much. Sure. Uh, so could you reflect a little bit on like how you have sort of played with it or if you have any yeah. instances of how one should think about in terms of intentions and the process a little bit? Sure. And perhaps just as a caveat, this is probably not something that we would recommend just when you're starting the practice. This is probably later on. First, we would just recommend you play with the initial guidance, right? Yeah, don't don't um, take this too seriously. Do this right. This is so important. That contraction actually blocks the effectiveness of the practice itself. Rather look on it from a more playful and joyful perspective as an exploration into something that will support your direct relationship with the sacred, with a sacred view. And in that context, if you feel the need to make some changes in the ceremony in some fashion that feel authentic to you, then by all means do that. And likewise, if you feel that, um, there's a need to give a little more emphasis to a certain aspect, then explore why that might be and go ahead with that and explore. Use it as a tool to explore a relationship in a playful and loving way. The main thing is to emphasize the qualities I mentioned before, regret for any damage that might've been done by our, our species or ourselves to nature in the past, 
uh, showing deep uh, respect and gratitude and honoring for everything that the family of life has given us as a family member. And then just having a natural kind of love and appreciation radiate throughout however you express the eleven direction ceremony. But it should be your ceremony. You own it. It's you that are, is bringing the power of intent to the ceremony. And to the degree that you completely opt in to give of yourself to do the ceremony and place your intent with the ceremony, it's going to be very, very powerful. If you do it with an attitude of, well, John mentioned doing this would be a good thing. So maybe I'll do it. At least I'll go through the form. But if there's no real, if you haven't really placed yourself into the ceremony, of course, it's not going to have much effect. So it's very important to really uh, yourself to the fullness of the process, whatever it turns out to be, even if you modify it in some way, because you feel you need to. Um, the key thing is that power of intent. Yes. And really committing yourself 100% to whatever you do. Yes, thank you, John, be, thank you for clarifying yeah. that. So, so first step is, of course, finding a place in nature. Second step is connecting with that place with gratitude. Uh, and then the third step is the ceremony. And once someone has been doing this for a while, is there something else you recommend or do you recommend sitting in the circle? Is what is would, would there be any other areas that you would like to share at this point? Yeah, yeah there are a couple of things that I think would be very good. Um, again, I refer you back to some of our, our videos and publications, but the way of nature, in the way of nature, I've been working on producing a set of Qigong practices coming from China, but many of them are new practices which are not part of, of Chinese culture, but have a foundation of the kind of core principles of Qigong nevertheless. And these energy cultivation practices can be very helpful in establishing an energetic field of support. And I'll give you an example. We have a practice called Tai Chi for Liberation and there's a whole, uh, we have a whole teaching video on how to do that. And I've trained many people around the world on how to do that. If you're lucky enough to be one of those teachers available to you, by all means, learn it. And then practice that at your spot. And if you don't have the ability to learn that for any reason, or it's too, too intricate a practice for you, then you can take a simple Qigong practice that we call Baby Bear. It's the third and final of the three bears, which we call Mamba Bear, Papa Bear, and then Baby Bear. And I'm planning to put out a little video soon just on Baby Bear, because that one Qigong practice actually gives you the foundation for establishing very deep energetic connection to the rest of life in nature. And uh, if you do that one Qigong, it can actually establish many of the same things that are established by doing a full Tai Chi practice round as far as the energetic connection to the rest of nature and life. So, um, and I'll be doing a, a video sharing soon on, on that baby bear practice so that people can easily learn it online and practice it at their sacred place in nature. Uh, but these uh, kinds of things are very important because they, again, they, they energize the field. They bring in a quality of natural chi, which then 
amps up if the heart is already open and there's a feeling of radiant, radiant compassion and appreciation and respect. If you combine that with doing a qigong or qi practice in the way I just mentioned, uh, the combination of those two things tends to bring in even more energy to the relationship. It's just like a loving relationship if there's an energetic connection between a couple that the no energy there, then it can be your relationship may turn out to be somewhat weak and you're not able to continue going deeper and deeper and deeper into what that relationship has to offer. So this is a way to, to take that step into a much more powerful kind of relationship. And uh, if you don't know one of these two Qigongs I just mentioned, you can utilize maybe that you found supportive of you energetically that spot and that can often be very helpful. The thing that is supportable along these lines is something I call Gaia flow. It's a movement system that I came up with some years ago, which is based in part on the principles of Tai Chi and Qigong and traditional uh, people's ways of movement, uh, meaning uh, indigenous people's ways of movement. If you simply take one of those principles, which is moving slowly and making a deep connection through the soles of your feet, ideally barefoot or with cotton or leather or natural fiber soles on your feet, if it's too cool, you need some kind of footwear. You can even do it in wool or wool socks if you'd like, but if it's not too wet, but make that energetic connection to the earth through the feet Make a connection into the heavens through the crown of the head. Feel the spirit connecting into the heavens through the crown. And then do movement very, very slowly with some of your awareness centered in the lower abdomen, the Dan Tian, it's called in China. And as you move very, very slowly, uh, bring in some of the, the feelings of different kinds of uh, beings of nature, like the way the trees move in the wind or the way that a, a praying mantis move, moves as it's walking across a leaf, or the way in which uh, a mountain lion, if you, or a tiger moves as it's moving through the forest and placing its feet very carefully. Before it moves and shifts its weight, it places that foot down very carefully, senses what's on the earth in that spot, if there's a leaf or a twig, it moves the foot over to the side, so it's not going to crack or or crackle that that leaf. That gives the the tiger or the lion the capacity to move in deep silence, so nothing is going to be disturbed if it's a hunt, for example. So if you move like a cat like that and move reverse. How relaxed can your movement be? Where are you still holding tension in your body? Where are there contractions in the arms, in the shoulders, in the hands, in the fingers, in the, in the pelvis, in the legs, and in the toes and ankles? Can you relax those areas of tension as you move? So your movement is very slow and very relaxed. As you move slower and slower, you become more and more aware 
where you're holding tension in your other parts of the body because you're moving slow enough to know where that tension in deep connection into the heavens through the crown. So slow movement alone can be a, a huge teacher in unifying heaven and earth in you. You move slowly in nature. So if you don't any, know any of these particular qigongs or tai chi, just do slow movement with the connection to the earth through the bare feet. The big toe join. This is a spot there called the bubbling spring point. From that point, you send out into the earth like you're growing energetic roots. And from this point on the crown, just a little bit back of the uh, the, the top of the head, the back, slightly back of the top. From that point, called the Bai Hui point in China, the spirit lifts into the sky. If you can establish those two points, along with feeling into a point in the below the navel, in the center of the body, where there's a natural storage battery of the chi in the body, and you're established in heaven connection, earth connection, and being centered in that storage battery of the lower abdomen, then as you move slowly, you you actually begin to express a kind of natural tai chi or natural qigong connectivity. Beautiful. Now that's very that's very helpful as instructions. So just to summarize, we start by finding the place in nature that actually resonates with you. And then we jump into gratitude practice and appreciation to connect with that place. Then we do a ceremony to establish a field, followed by the Tai Chi for liberation or some Qigong to cultivate the energy. And if possible, a practice of Gaia flow or some form of movement so one can release the obstructions I think one area here that would be very helpful is to, to expand a little bit around the element of energy where you mentioned that sometimes there is energy between people and between mm -hmm. a person and a place, between a person and the teachings. Uh, and then there are certain instances where that is not present. And it is not a judgment on the quality of the, the place, the person, the teachings. It's just different people seem to have different resonances with different places and, and, and teachings and so on. It'd be very lovely to hear your, your comments on that because sometimes uh, a practitioner has a choice of either establishing and trying to cultivate energy in that relationship using Chinese practices, for instance, or intention. And at other times, there is a desire to just listen to that initial impulse of if this place is calling me or if this teaching is calling me or this practice is calling me how does one balance between being receptive and active in that dimension well part of what i recommend after you've done some of these things to establish connectivity then it would be wonderful to begin to practice with some of the qualities of what we call the 12 principles of the way of nature and two of the most important principles that you can begin to work with right away 
is at your sacred spot in nature, bring out a, a blanket, ideally um, something like a, a wool blanket or a cotton blanket, something with natural fibers, not artificial fibers. And then using that blanket, you can lay that on the ground to help reduce being distracted by ants and different kinds of creepy crawly things that might be in your neighborhood. Um, that uh, blanket and make it into a meditation cushion if you would like to, to sit. And if it's cool, you can wrap it around yourself so that you've got something that's supporting you maintaining an ideal temperature. But <clears throat> initially, I recommend lying down that blanket in your special spot and doing a deep relaxation exercise where you go from the crown of the head to the soles of the feet and then back up again, starting on the activity and go deeper and deeper and deeper into the muscular layers, the layer of the layers of the fascia. Uh, the stomach, the kidneys, the uh, small intestine, large intestine, the bladder, the reproductive organs, and so on. And finally, you can even get down to the point where you do a body scan where you relax the entire nervous system itself. And maybe end up, I often end up by actually relaxing into the bone structure itself, doing a scan at the level of the skeleton and going into the bone marrow to get a sense of release of tension and contraction, even at the level of the bone marrow. And when you finish doing that, you can go through a stage where you, uh, along with the relaxation on the in-breath, you breathe in the natural vitality of the elements of nature surrounding you from the earth, from the water element, from the trees, from the flowers, from the sun, from the stars and the moon, and so on. And just gently breathe them in on the in-breath and on the out-breath, feel them being condensed and resolved into your body at those different levels that you've scanned. A simple practice like that can actually be revolutionary in releasing blockages, which tend to prevent you from being authentically connected both with your, your own nature, your individual nature, your inner nature, and also with the truth of outer nature. And before you begin the deep dive into true nature, the source nature of yourself, these blockages and obscurations really need to be cleansed and, and transformed. So it, it helps all three levels of outer nature connection, connection to the authentic inner nature aspect of yourself, and finally opening up a clear path to your true nature. All that can be done with a simple deep relaxation exercise combined with full presence. Doing some of that and then combining that, ideally at the same time you're doing that practice, spend a little time 
maybe in a sitting meditation posture or a standing meditation posture and pay attention to different beings of nature like the wind moving through the leaves of a forest or the way in which the stream curls as it moves down a mountain slope or the way an ant walks across the land and see if you can stay completely present in the moment with the precise look and uh, attitude of that element. In other words, say exactly how the water looks moment by moment. Don't be distracted by how it was just a moment before or what it might be in the next moment. Same with a cloud, you could watch a cloud, but don't get distracted by what it just was. Maybe it looked like a, a bear or an elephant. And don't worry about whether it's about to become a, uh, a donkey. Stay with the precise look of the cloud moment by moment, even as it's swirling over your head. That's a wonderful practice of presence. You can do that with the way a leaf is swaying on, on a branch or how a limb is moving in the wind. All these provide profound opportunities to cultivate deep and profound presence. When you master uh, the kind of mindfulness that comes with the integration of deep relaxation and deep presence. The two are interconnected. They, they depend upon each other. You cannot be fully present if you're fully uh, uh, mindful if you're not uh, and deep relaxed if you're not fully present. If you're not fully present with your contractions, there's no capacity to release the contractions. If you're too contracted, block it and your, and your obscurations and distractions. So the two go together as a team when you're working with a mindfulness type of practice in nature. And nature provides you with great opportunities to learn both. So I would set aside some time once you've established your, your sacred spot and you've, you've contributed to a really integrated and supportive field because all of nature is filled with joy and inherent nature is happy and in a state of natural integrated brings you those qualities quite naturally once you begin to connect. But I'll take a pause here in case you have a question, Pradeep. Yes, thank you, John. Um, I I am assuming, I think there was a little bit of a lag. I hope that the recording has come through. Uh, but yeah. just to summarize, essentially, uh, for, for listeners, in case there was a break, uh, John is suggesting that once you have found a place in nature, connected with it with gratitude, then establish that place with a ceremony, you then begin some Taoist practices, some Qigong, some Tai Chi, uh, some Gaia flow. And after that, as you have developed that relationship, you can you know, take a blanket and try to establish uh, a lying down posture or a standing posture where you can go through scans and practice both presence and relaxation over and over. And at the same time, one way to practice presence, John has suggested would be by observing the different elements in nature here, which could be a cloud, which could be a bird, could be a, a leaf, because they're always changing and try to be with them in that moment. 
And right. so this is sort of the practice that we are recommending, John, at this point. And from playing with some of these practices for some time now, sometimes I just wonder when you use the word master of presence or relaxation, I, I feel like that's probably never something that is even possible. <laughs> I feel like we can only be students of these principles. <laughs> Seems like the rabbit hole just keeps going deeper and deeper. Uh, yeah, that's actually a good sign, Pradeep, because before when you were probably not aware of how many of these distractions and contractions were in your the field of your being. And actually when you were in a, in that state before you were even aware of these things, you were really captured by ignorance, which is a foundational issue. As you begin to become more fluent and capable of doing mindfulness practice in nature, then that that very recognition of the busy mind of the distractions and the contractions is the proof and the evidence that you're beginning to become more mindful more silent more spacious and entering into a, a deeper state of freedom inner freedom even though it may not seem like that at times <laughs> <laughs> yes absolutely i think i think we should probably I, I'm mindful that we've shared a lot of lot of rich rich a uh, lot of rich practices here, which yeah. serve decades of practice, perhaps for a dedication. Yeah, I was just show one last thing, and then yes. maybe we're getting close to finishing up. But in uh, in the uh, two books that I mentioned, especially in the the uh, cultivating natural liberation book that we published in Germany and which we're about to publish online. So it'll be widely available through going to the waveNature.com. You can find it there and it'll be a downloadable version that's available through the internet. And we're very excited about that because this, this book of leaves, it's individual uh, leaves or sheets, which lay out a practice and the visual that goes along with that practice or principle. So uh, one of them is what's called the connection sequence. So what I would recommend once you've really established more, a more relaxed state and a more present state with nature, then you can take another level of depth. And what I would recommend then is to take a connection sequence that I've been teaching for years and follow that sequence with everything around you in nature, but maybe especially focus on the the, the what we call the seven major elements that we work with in nature the wood element and the water element the fire element which is represented for many people by the sun in the sky and by the fire within their own body and their chi and their own heart and then of course the air element that we're constantly interacting with with every breath that we take and the, finally, the space element, which holds, is the space that holds all the other elements. You can make a connection with each one of those and follow this connection sequence to measure how deeply you can go with connectivity. But you can't do those things until you've established deep levels of presence and relaxation. Actually, relaxation first, then presence. work with sound, you can work with 
the sense of touch. You can work with your your experience of energy in your in your body and your connectivity. But whatever it might be, um, and of course smell <clears throat> and taste as well. Um, but whatever it might be, whatever sense field you're working with, you can establish connections with these different elemental aspects of nature. And when you do that, you'll go through a sequence that starts with first being disconnected and honoring the fact that you're not very connected right now. Then discovering that there's a kind of magical seed of connectivity. And that has to do with kind of opening the heart, opening the awareness and setting a very subtle intent to connect. I would like to connect with this beautiful flower or this fantastic, incredible tree right in front of me or this beautiful stream that's flowing by my feet or this immense sky above me or these beautiful clouds that are swirling in the valley below me. Whatever it might be, you begin to connect. And then when you go into the connection experience, you begin to relax deeper, become more present with the truth of that connection. What begins to open up is a state which I call the state of the level of, of communion, where there's still you, there's still that other being of nature, but there's also something that is the combination of you and that being of nature or that aspect of nature that you've connected to deeply. So there's kind of a, a special, it might be a, uh, you might call it a Pradeep tree or tree to tree Pradeep and uh, level of the, of the process. Yes. Uh, I know you have a nice connection to, to trees, Pradeep. And uh, then you go deeper into the experience of communion, which literally in Latin means with union. That means you're still individuated, both you and the tree, but there's also a fundamental unity there at the same time. Now, if you go deep into the communion experience by opening and surrendering deeper and deeper into that reality, what begins to flower is less and less separation into a dualistic relationship and more an experience of just the, the this unique being that's the Pradeep tree or the tree Pradeep. <laughs> and uh, then, you're, then you're in a state of absolute oneness. Yes. There's no separation. And now when you have that kind of experience with many things within the circle that you inhabit as your sacred space, because everything, surrounds you kind of like a mandala or, or a sacred circle. And you've established that too with your ceremony and also Tai Chi for liberation if you practice that, that sets the ground of a sacred space energetically. So what that opens up when you start having that experience with a, with a stream, with a tree, with a rock, with a flower, with different aspects, with an ant moving on the ground, with different beings of nature that are, that you're partnering with in this environment that you've you've come to merge with, you begin to have experiences of unity with many things within your your area. Then you open up the possibility of a what I call a mandalic experience, where everything is arising with you as an expression of fundamental unity. And, uh, but it's not just one thing like a tree. It's also the stream, the clouds, the sky, the flowers, many beings of nature that you've gone through this connection sequence with. Now it's arising as a fully unified experience of all of these different aspects of nature. And that is super magical when that level arises. So that might take a couple 
years from that point and worth it. It's so powerful when this happens. And then the final step is to follow every one of the connection experiences from uh, disconnect to communion, to union, to mandalic experience. You follow all, all of that back into the nature aspect of yourself, the source nature of your being, the formless awareness, the formless, undifferentiated, boundless consciousness, which is the, the fundamental basis of your true nature. And you begin to experience all of these form aspects during manifestation. you reach a level of pure freedom through the connection sequence. You realize a state of immense freedom and uh, vastness, spaciousness and silence, which is, it's very hard to put in words, but uh, you begin to sit, you begin to taste a little bit sample of what we call the, the state of natural liberation. And I assume this is a later stage compared to when you are yes in communion with specific elements or say tree or sky and you are sort of your consciousness is adapting to their qualities so there's okay. of when say you can attune to and almost absorb the energetics or attune to the qualities of of a particular tree versus sky, and they have a different flavor and texture. That, but what you yeah. are talking about is is a is all arising simultaneously. It's not individuated with the different element. Yeah, and then that's that represents the mandalic level of the connection process. And then, as I said, the final step is where the entire mandala. You follow the experience of the mandala or a particular single connection, say to a tree back into where it arises within at the deepest level within yourself. And then that takes you into the level of pure boundless awareness, infinite, unborn, undying, absolute. Spot in the woods. This is the result of the fruit of uh, some years of practice and I, I may emphasize again that you really need to master uh, presence and relaxation at the very beginning because progress along this particular path that we've laid out here today with the, the connection sequence in nature, uh, all of that depends upon really having accomplished deep levels of capacity to relax and deep levels and, and not be distracted and contracted and deep levels of presence where you're not being constantly distracted by something, be it thoughts or emotions or different sensory experiences. And you can go deeper and deeper and deeper with a kind of one-pointed consciousness. Then you're ready to do the connection sequence in a really profound and skillful way. And you can go through the sequence from uh, initial disconnect realization to accomplishing a connection, then going into the communion level of experience, finally having the mandalic or the union 
unitive experiences. And then finally, the mandalic experiences where all the unitive experiences come together in a mandala. And then following, finally, following the entire experience back into pure source itself. Obviously, that, that final stage take, for many people takes quite a bit of time to accomplish, but it's worth it. The experience is profoundly liberating and unifying and regenerating. Beautiful. Uh, sounds like there is lifetimes of practice instruction here <laughs> in this podcast. Uh, thank you, John. Thank you for sharing that wisdom and, and the experience. That's what we call it the way of nature. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's beautiful. Uh, I guess just to close, perhaps maybe any any final thoughts in terms of uh, the kind of, I guess one thing I often wonder that meditation instructions do not come with is a warning label. Because uh, I do feel like they do change things quite upside down <laughs> in terms of one's That's worldviews, right. aspirations, goals, and, and things of that nature. Uh, and I do wonder if, if they should come with that. Uh, <laughs> I wonder if you have any reflection on that before we close. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Uh, I should mention here that Pradeep is part of an advanced training uh, group that I've been working with for it's deep into these mindfulness levels of practice uh, all kinds of material shadow material becomes comes to the surface so when you go deeper combined with having a lot of energy from the qigong and tai chi or some of the yogic practices that come in from things like kundalini yoga for example even more energy comes into the release and an uncovering of these shadows and so As you, as you, uh, another way to look at it is as you, as you follow this path into your true nature, anything that stands in the way of that being, that true nature being lost is brought right to the surface over time. So it's there to be transformed, transmuted, or purified. So part of our process in the way of nature is to be skillful in how we purify, transmute, or self-liberate or allow self-liberation as we go deeper into these apparent shadows. And of course, if you don't have the, if you have not perfected the, the methodology and the practices to do that, you could find yourself in some pretty, pretty uh, challenging circumstances and situations, which is why I recommend a progressive path of immersion. We set a very careful path in the case of the shadow work, there are seven stages that we go through of transformation, starting with first honoring their truth, then finally moving into applying mindfulness aspects in transforming them and learning a wide variety of purification practices, then moving into the tantric level of transmutation, and then finally accomplishing the level of, of self-liberation at the very conclusion of the shadow transformation process. But that's a progressive series I just mentioned. And it's taken, it's taken us three years just to get to square one, I would say, wouldn't you, Pradeep? I, I think I think a lot of the elements that you mentioned, it's almost almost cyclical almost. So it's like 
one goes through the principles and then one realizes, oh, actually one could do a little more relaxation again, <laughs> you know? Uh, and it is, it is fun. I, I do agree that it's, it's, uh, if, if you're exploring consciousness, it's a lot of entertainment as well. If, if you're curious about that kind of stuff. It's uh, good to have a good sense of humor for oh, sure. Yeah. It is, it is a funny which process. Is, <laughs> which is why I love your warning label. We need, maybe you and I can work on writing up a little warning label to go on all the. Oh yes, the, oh, yes absolutely. Maybe it, got, it's, it should be something to do with a virtual reality of the ego structure uh, there you go. itself. Uh, but beautiful, thank you, John. Thank you for your time. And thank you for sharing all this wisdom with, with the listeners. I hope uh, this is gonna be of benefit for all those who are listening. Uh, yeah, and good. we do recommend, you know, taking it slow and, and mastering relaxation and presence. Yeah. Uh, try not to take everything all at once because it's a lot of practices that we have shared yeah. today. Uh, yeah, the practices should not become the obstacle. Beautiful, beautifully said. And if you have any more uh, need of reading material, you can always find John's book, Sky Above Earth Below. Uh, on Amazon or Cultivating Natural Liberation. You can also learn more about John and his work on wayofnature.com where you can sign up for retreats and trainings uh, and different kinds of possibilities of working together uh, with the team. And I would recommend getting, when we're about to publish this online version of the, the Book of Leaves or the Cultivating natural liberation book that is a wonderful field book for literally the kind of practices we've shared today about how to both fund and Yes, thank you, John. So, so if, if this was sort of missed in, in the recording, John's shared that you can find the Book of Leaves online soon and we'll share more details as and when it's available. It would be on thewayofnature.com as well. And we'll let you know through the newsletter. Perfect. With that, with that being said, thank you for your time. And uh, we look forward to connecting soon. Very pretty. Wonderful to see you. You look uh, healthy and, uh, and uh, radiant. And you're still in London, I take it. I am. I'm in London, close to close to some beautiful, beautiful trees here. Yeah, yeah. It's been good company. <laughs>